Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All right, we're back in the attic. I got new ear things in. The old one you didn't work. Weird. I hope these you don't pop out. Weird. I got a... I got a new painting behind me. We'll be selling that at the end of the show. Wilbon, <laughs> let us start with the last dance. You were in it. I saw you. You're from Chicago. The Bulls mean more to you than they mean to most. You covered Michael Jordan. Your friendship with Michael Jordan is enduring after a long period of time. What were your general impressions of the first two episodes? Well, Tony, I, I know this is simple, but I just like seeing him sit there with a cigar and just talking about his life and, and his career and, and what happened in it. And we're going to see that over the ensuing episodes as well. Look, Tony, the thing is, everybody, and virtually everybody, from Magic and Charles Barkley to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, we see and hear from them all the time. Whether it's commercial, Shaq is in our house like every hour, and Magic has learned to juggle right. television right. And, 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 and social media masterfully. We see all the other great icons we have not seen or heard from Michael. And I think that strikes me even more than sort of how badly management Jerry Krause treated Scottie Pippen and, and some other things like that. The nuts and bolts of that year and the years preceding it. But better than all that for me is that I want to hear Michael tell his story. I want to hear Michael. Other people have told it. I've been involved in that. He's cooperated with a couple of journalists. Yeah. to write, But I want to hear Michael Jordan. I'm getting to hear that. I like that. So two things stood out for me. Two questions stood out for me and then a comment. The first question is, why did Jerry Krause want to get rid of Phil Jackson? And more important to me, why did Jerry Reinsdorf let that happen? They were 5-0 and in championships. You can't do much better than that. My second question is, why after all this time? Michael Jordan's been sitting on this tape for over 20 years. Why, after all this time, did he decide, I'm going to let this go? You can answer either of them if you can. The other comment I've got is pretty simple. I was blown away by the Bobby Knight stuff, that Michael Jordan has not played one game in the NBA, not one game. He's on the Olympic team, and Bobby Knight says, he's the best basketball player I've ever seen. I I found that astonishing, and he said it matter-of-factly. So take any of these things and talk. Well, so did Magic and Bird. And so people can say whatever they want and they can just be sort of delusional about who the best player is. And the greatest people involved in basketball over the last 40 years. And you just named one of them, Knight, you know, Magic. But they Bird. said it afterwards. They all said it. Magic and early. But, but it was Magic really early. Bird said it after he'd been in the league. Yeah, yeah but, but this was early. years in the league. But going back to Knight Krause. Knight said it before he played a game. I know. You know. I know. Go ahead. Going back. Let's go back to Krause because you and I talked about this on your podcast this morning. Jerry Krause, and you yeah. hate the, he's, he's deceased. He's gone. You, you want to just be able to just sort of gloss it over and you can't. And, and, and Mark Vansell, who covered the, the Bulls for the Sun Times said it best when he said he had a little man complex. He was a little fat guy and every, and p- people, he just annoyed everybody. You can't gloss over this because it's at the crux of the conflict. Krause also, Tony, was really good at what he did putting that team together, but he was pride really goeth, good. Pride goeth before the fall. He got to be such an egomaniac. People talk about athlete egos. Krause's ego was run amok, and and he thought that he was as responsible for these championships as Jordan and Pippen and Phil Jackson, even though he wasn't, and he wanted to rebuild it. 
and I'll give you all of that. Yeah. Why did Jerry Reinsdorf let him? Because Look somewhere bad, down Tom. the road, Mike, if Tom Brady were to win a Super Bowl, the question is going to be, why didn't Robert Kraft stop this from happening? So that's what I'm asking about Reinsdorf, which yeah. seems fair I, Tony, from the outside. Because it worked, I think, good cop, bad cop. And, and Jerry, you know, look, Michael just went right past Jerry Krause when he negotiated, when he came right. back. He went straight to Jerry Reinsdorf. And so I don't know, he and Scotty maybe didn't have that relationship. But Krause, I know, again, a guy who can't speak for himself comes off as a villain. But Tony, he was the villain. Yeah, sorry, I, I believe that. I believe what, 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 what Phil okay. and Michael and Scotty believe to a great degree about Jerry Krause. And you, you're right, Reinsdorf let it happen. But Tony, that central conflict, that is what makes the last dance what it is when we get to that last season. So I'll just echo your early point. It is great for me to see Michael Jordan on television as an active player and now talking about himself. He has insane charisma. Yeah, yes. anybody can look good in a highlight reel, Mike, but <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan has actual charisma. It's good to see. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see, Tony. We're going to move to somebody else who's got some charisma, who I mentioned already. Peyton Manning was on SportsCenter yesterday and said Joe Burrow recently called him for advice on being a rookie. Peyton told him how much he learned in his rookie year when he went 3-13, and 13, and he encouraged Burrow to speak up as much as he can, to, I'm sorry, to soak up as much as he can, even in losing. So, Tony, how should Burrow, after talking to Peyton Manning, feel about that advice? And it's great that Peyton Manning took the call and told him these things. That augurs well, I believe, for Joe Burrow. One of the things Peyton Manning told him, and he did, as you say, go 3-13, and 13, he said he lost more games in his rookie year in the NFL than he lost combined in high school and college. And the reason is, because if you're the overall number one pick, you're going to a bad team. Dan Marino didn't have to go to a bad team. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have to go to a bad team. You know, you're number one, you go to a bad team. If I'm Burrow, I listen to Peyton Manning on two things very specific. One, get to understand the speed of the DBs and get to understand how quickly you have to get rid of the ball. Peyton Manning went from 3-13 and 13 to 13-3. and three. Mike, not everybody does. Troy Aikman was 0-11, didn't go 11-0 his second year. So it's, I think it's very good advice from Peyton Manning. Tony, one thing, and you referred to it, struck me, and that is he sought the advice. This is great to seek yeah. the advice. So often now young players don't want to do that. Hey, just an old dude. He didn't want to do that. And I remember one of the things that impressed me about a young LeBron James was he did that. He went to people. He went to coaches, and he went to players that were completely out of his generation. He sought them out. And, and, and he, 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 it looks like LeBron listened a whole lot. People could think what they wanted, the rivalries, but I'm impressed when a guy says, I don't know everything. Let me start to figure it out and lean on the people who have done this. Good for Joe Burrow. Agreed. Totally agreed. There was one great quote by Peyton Manning where he said, I threw 28 interceptions as a rookie. It's still the record. He can have it if he wants it. Yeah, and I yeah, thought that I'm was sure great. That's one record Peyton will let go. We'll stay with football and we'll go to our friend Peter King. Peter King, in the season of mock drafts that everybody's got out, he's got a mock draft that he released on NBC Sports. And the bombshell in it centers, of course, on Tua, because everything centers on Tua. In it, Peter King says he does not believe that Miami is going to draft 
Tua. They'll take Justin Herbert. He doesn't believe the Chargers are going to get Tua, so wait for it. He thinks the Patriots can move up to number 13, trade with San Francisco, and get Tua. What do you think of that? Well, Tony, I like the part. I mean, San Francisco has sort of made known to other teams that they're willing to, to, to trade these picks. You know, it looks like they want some other considerations and, and players for now. Because let's face it, we know the 49ers are really, 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 really close. But, Tony, to me, what I would expect is the first part of what Peter said for New England to trade with San Francisco or somebody else to move up, which they don't often do. They often trade down. They don't often trade up. But then pick yeah. somebody we've never heard of, not pick Tua. And I realize that Belichick has a great relationship with that coach of Alabama. I realize that. But, Tony, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Belichick trade up and then go and get a quarterback that nobody else likes. Sorry, Melon Todd, but that he likes. That would be so cool to see. So what surprises me about the whole thing is that I watch television every day. And I watch former players mostly. They look at Tua and they say, this guy's great. This is a Pro Bowl quarterback. What are you talking about? He got hurt. We're players. We understand that. You get hurt, you get better. I never heard anybody say that about about Herbert. And Tyrod Taylor, who, who San Diego has, I never in all these years heard that about Tyrod Taylor as well. So I would be surprised if Tua dropped that far. If Belichick were to get him, because Belichick, he's not going to go 3-13. and 13. He's not no, going to get not. a chance to draft a stud no. college quarterback. Despite that would, what the that would actually be Caesar says. That would be great fun to see this happen. But to me, it's a real long shot, total long shot. It's going to be a great fun to see whoever Belichick gets and whether he develops that yeah. guy and the way he's developed. Oh, wait, everybody else. Tony Adams Schefter is reporting that the Jacksonville Jaguars are shopping running back Leonard Fournette. This report comes just a few days after Fournette said on first take he'd like to see Cam Newton as the quarterback of his Jags. Tone, do you think the trade discussions are in direct response to Fournette going out there publicly and saying he wants Cam Newton? Only 100%, or can I go (laughs) higher? Because if I could go higher, I'll go higher. See, here is what Leonard Fournette is, a good running back. He's good. He had 1,100 yards rushing, caught 76 balls, good running back. Here's what he said. He said, meaning no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, when exactly what he meant was disrespect to Gardner Minshew, and he said, let's get Cam Newton because he gives us the best chance to win. Why didn't you just say, please trade me? You can't do this to your quarterback. You can't do this to your coaching staff. And the more I think about it, Mike, the more I think Leonard Fournette is saying, get me out of here. Because well, I don't think you're saying that. How could you go that? public with this? You, you can't, Tony. I don't think he meant disrespect, but he conveyed disrespect. He, he sure didn't did. mean it. I mean, so so here's the deal, Tone. They're going to have to settle this. Players are going to have to settle this. The coach and GM, and they've spoken to this in the organization already. You can't come in from the outside. They're going to have to be in that locker room if Fournette is still there. But in the meantime, running backs are so expendable now, and this guy, Fournette, is not Emmitt Smith. You don't have to have him. You can go out and get somebody else who maybe wants to play nice with uh, Gardner Minshew and not embarrass him publicly, whether he means to or not. I'll just add this one thing. We discussed this the other day when the story came out, that it is possible that Jacksonville, which has traded away a lot of good players, is tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And they could get rid of Fournette. 
take a couple of draft oh. picks and get in that position. Oh. They could. Though we're apart these days, we're sharing more. So at Geico, we'd like to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your savage dance moves. Thanks for sharing your DIY haircut fails. Thanks for sharing your inner lip sync star. Now it's our turn to share with the Geico Give Back, a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. Because we're committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Visit geico.com slash giveback for more info and eligibility. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. One thing never changes in the attic. We put on our glasses when we get to the happies. Happy 59th birthday, Don Mattingly. When he was the first baseman for the Yankees, he was known as Donnie Baseball. He played 1,785 games in 14 seasons, and the one time he made the playoffs, he batted 417. He was a six-time All-Star, a nine-time Gold Glove, the American League MVP in 1985, and in different years, he led that league in batting and in RBI. Most great players don't succeed as managers, and the jury is still out on Mattingly. He's managed the Miami Marlins the last four seasons. His record is 276 and 370, which isn't any good. But look at the team his old friend Derek Jeter has given him and ask yourself if anybody could win with these players. Before that, Mattingly managed the Dodgers for five years, went 446 and 363, and made the playoffs three times. He only advanced once, though, Mike. Yeah, Tony, I'm going to go back to Mattingly in his playing days because it was about a five-year stretch early in his career when he looked like he was going to be Lou Gehrig. I mean, it just, I know injuries sort of, we mentioned 14 years. It looked like it was going to be like 18 years of being Garrick. And I, he still, he was great, Tony. And the injuries, you know, led to a fall off. And wow, Mattingly was something to watch early in this crew. Happy anniversary, Michael Jordan. It may just be serendipity considering that the last dance debuted last night. But 34 years ago today, Jordan scored what is still the NBA playoff record 63 points in a double overtime loss to Larry Bird and the Celtics in the Boston Garden. Afterwards, Bird said, quote, I couldn't believe anyone could do that to the Boston Celtics, unquote. Bird called Jordan the greatest player he had ever seen and said, quote, it's just God disguised as Michael Jordan, unquote. Bird, who had 36 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists in this game himself, saw that Jordan had 49 the game before, then 63 in this one, and he was told that given the mathematic progression, Jordan would go for 77 in the next game. Bird said, quote, he won't get 77. I'll retire if he scores 77, unquote. Jordan scored 19, and Bird safely played in Boston six more seasons. Tony, did you see how many threes were in that highlight from Michael Jordan scored in 63? So you millennials who think you just have to do step backs behind the arc. No, you don't. You can find a mid-range game. You can get to the basket if you've got some talent and you really think about something other than step back three. 63, Tony. I got to look up how many threes he had. I don't think he had any threes. Wow. Happy trails to the New England Patriots uniforms. 
The Patriots are going full-time with the color rush uniforms they've worn occasionally the last couple of years. They will have noticeably different shoulder stripes. The main colors are still blue and white, but the all-blue monochromatic look for home games is very different. Why would the Patriots do this? I'm not a marketing guy, Wilbon, but when your team has just lost Tom Brady after 20 years and six Super Bowl victories, I might see that as an opportunity to switch a lot of things around, to subliminally prepare fans for a new era. Uniforms are one way to symbolize breaking with the past. Who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick will stand on the sideline in a three-piece suit instead of a hoodie. Well, Belichick would wear a suit like his dad did when he was a coach. If he could, but the NFL won't allow that anymore. Guys used to have suits all the time. Landry and Shula and Ditka. And Belichick wants to do that. These uniforms, these, 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 these monochromatic things are hideous. When you have a great uniform like the Patriots do when they have the minute man on the side of the helmet and they wore those uniforms that like Grogan wore and John Hanna wore, why do you let the marketing people, this is like, why do you let Jerry Krause, why do you let these marketing I won't say it. Why do you let them screw up what you've done? You've got iconic means it doesn't change. Do the Celtics go and get another stupid uniform when they got that third thing with the script? But you don't mess around with great uniforms marketing people, you dopes.